Hello, everybody, and welcome. This is Tavity RC Leadership Ministries to the Body of Christ in the Nation. And so I'm addressing many things about authority, and we're looking for pure authority. I'm talking about the future church. You know, I never thought I would know a lot about authority. That was not <laughs> how I was raised after to discuss it like this. But when I was 24, and I'd been raised very peacefully, very respected, and not back under the law about women or anything, just decent, really nice Christian parents who were fun, had merry hearts. It wasn't until I was 24 and the Lord had told me that he wanted me to study the body of Christ. It would be different kinds, different colors, in different seasons. And then one day at the end, it would be time to build bridges of understanding and unity between the body. And this is now the end time, and this is what we're trying to do. It wasn't till I had been in being a Christian a while, had my own work, and then was sent to study different kinds of the body. I wasn't raised charismatic around tongue talkers. I never had anything against them. And I was always raised non-biased, uh, treating people equally like friends and people that are humans, decent people. I didn't have a racial bias just because of great parenting by God's mercy. So I respect everybody. That's, to me, the lowest bottom line of being a Christian, a servant leader, is to respect people. You don't have to condone them or like them. You respect them. That's part of showing the love of Christ, male or female, black or white. I mean, really, I thought that was the basic understanding of a Christian. So then I went to different movements and I would travel through the years, uh, you know, when the Holy Spirit movements came out. I went to revivals and outpourings and different kinds of prophetic groups. And I started getting more toward the charismatic and tongue talker because that was the main, you know, I, I didn't understand that feel. I wasn't raised around it. So all the movements that are now huge, big, famous movements were starting, coming across America. And it was more innocent. It was never... I was never naive at all, but I felt like the quality of person that said they were Christian back then was much more a prophetic ministry. Anyway, was, you could trust them. If they said they were a Christian, they would act like it later. And then later, something happened in the doctrinal bathwaters or the TV media celebrity bathwaters affecting the grassroots. You know, when I mentioned the head media like mega ministry the the big groups i'm not necessarily naming any group because they didn't know what we know now nobody knew the effect of mega and what i call i've called it this there's many a slip between the cup and the lip well the cup is the full oracle office on tv famous minister local minister and everybody sits under there waiting with their, you know, waiting to hear the word of the Lord coming from the lips, from the full cup of the top person on TV or anywhere else, mega or micro. So then what happens is between the time they say it and the ears are down here where we live, then they take whatever they think they heard, they mix it with what mama said or their bias or lack of bias or their love or their false teaching and their false governmental authority of autocratic control and ministry and then they tell that around and everybody thinks the head person the head one that founded the movement <laughs> also believes it because they're all trying hard but it is just human nature and so my field has been embedded in the body of Christ for 50, all my life and it got it has gotten less and less fun till now. When I journeyed from the deep southwest back up here, it's gotten, you know, there's it's more down to earth relatable, like how really ministry should be. People are not trying to control you or make their famous name, basically. So we're very grateful and proud. I mean, and we're so thankful for all the good Christians and ministers, but I'm teaching basically to defrag, bring to light get people to think, be a noble Berean, to choose the doctrines they're sitting under. And this particular group of authority is covering. It's like covering. See, a Baptist. I was a white Baptist, 
that was more a Jesus person, Billy Graham kind. It was not, you know, biased, or but it wasn't legalistic or watching who's over who. That, to me, is a tongue-talking, charismatic, basic, you know, they like to get into that. So when I was sent to study the spirit of prophecy in Virginia, I'd never been around anything. I just thought, you know, I always looked as a noble Berean scholar. I don't want to get into error. I don't want to get into false teaching. Well, I didn't realize it, but you can have a doctrinal bathwater. You can have great Holy Spirit, great hearing God, great this, that, or the other, but then underneath can be, you know, not good, healthy doctrines, like watching everybody. And then what I found was shepherding. The patriarchal, Levitical patriarchism shepherding, which I've studied, I didn't know I'd have a major in it <laughs> after what I've been through. But because the Lord had said, if you see something that hurts people, when they go to church, or it hurts his good name, God's good name, under the name of Christ following in ministry, a Christian's doing it, and it's three times or more, then I'm to teach on it. Study the doctrines and teach on it. That's what I'm doing. So I've, I stand up against racism, chauvinism, all that type of stuff due to that, but also uh, witch-watching and then the false teaching occult, all those types of things, just because God has had me study it. Um, so when I teach on authority, there's a lot of good healthy authority. And I guess one reason I'm so concerned, not mad, no, but on behalf as a national prophet type person, I'm really here for the sake of Jesus and the people that are getting treated similar. God said, if you see it three times or more, it's because I'm letting you see it because I see it a lot more. So this is why I don't want anybody to be stared at, glared at, manipulated, all this weird stuff, projected accusation, occult spirit, like spectral evidence. I don't want people labeled, never spoken to, biased. I don't want that for the sake of Jesus and his good name. That's really it. This is for the body of Christ. I say this. So we pray about it. We need to pray about it. It's a bad. This is blocking the harvest. This is making people feel that they're unwanted, that they're accused for walking in because they're type. It's a typecasting. It is very sinister. So here's the deal. If you know your Bible, you'll know that no one person is over everybody. It seems to be in certain kinds of tongue talkers that there is a belief. It looks like in the patrician elite that God is left when Jesus went to heaven. He was crucified, died victoriously, moved on to heaven, that he left somebody or some group, religious group, over everybody. And that is what I didn't know till I got in the spirit of the moves of the spirit. That patrician and, you know, the patricians, the Roman patricians were not like Jesus. If you Google the Roman patricians, they were 80 aristocrats who had the power to have slaves. They were cruel. They had authority, but it was a dominating, controlling authority, very fierce. And that is exactly the similar characteristic of the fruit of that same spirit, that slave driver occult spirit. Now, you can go to certain groups. They'll have it worse than others. Some are not character assassinators. Some are pleasant, but then you can find that the fruit is in the people who follow them because they're very devout, trained to be skilled and trained to model the famous one or the one that they think every is over everybody. That's the issue. So it only made me go back to thank God for Baptists. <laughs> thank God for being a noble Rian. I could pick apart everybody's doctrine, they can pick apart mine. That's what you're supposed to do. Apostle Paul mentors and trains the body of Christ and me to work out our own salvation in fear and trembling. And that's part of also what Paul mentored. He honored the noble Berean Jews because they picked apart his teaching of what he said. When I had felt an outcast, not oh, I'm not sorry for myself or weeping, but dis disturbing quality or bad fruit prohibited me from wanting to be 
connected or joined because it was so micromanaging, so elite or whatever it was, false teaching. And I love Holy Spirit. That's why I'm, I got, you know, needed Holy Spirit, I thought. But God used that to bring me to him and find out other ways of fellowshipping. And that's why we're online, and I believe in freedom for the saints to hear God for themselves. Because it's a controlling spirit. And then it's trained to the devout, young and old. And then they're controllers, because they're looking to see, oh, she's not under, the, she's not submitted, he's not submitted. So it starts new Phariseeism, I call it nouveau Phariseeism. Everybody's watching because they're trying to protect their system, their own club, or whatever this is, their group. And it's well-meaning. There's no excuse. It's false teaching, but that's their choice. That's what we're saying. It drove me to the principles of why we're here in ministry. Everybody needs to really think, why are we really here? What is ministry about? What is a Christian about? Get out Billy Graham just to see what compares to what goes on now and then Billy Graham two or three video of YouTube and see the difference in the holy fear of the Lord the humility but also the the mega proportion of what is important so when I was studying and I thought man uh, I'm not fault finding what this is is contending for the faith like Jude I found out in the field that the you know the folks that follow these kind of people are filled with the self-deflection in denial. So you get accused. You're not sweet like baby Jesus. You're fault-finding. You're contentious. Mark those who are contentious. See, then I, I what I do, and I hear that if it, it doesn't, I don't take it personally. I think this is how they're thinking. This is what goes on in ministry. All these people are thinking like this. Right? So I research what is contention, what is contending for the faith, what is, which is Jude, which I'm doing, what is Bible reproof like Paul and correction, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, my original verses for ministry, that's what we're doing. What is John, excuse me, what is Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend. You love somebody, you respect somebody enough with tough love to confront them respectfully do things tell them shoot straight so but not kill them this is what i do so when we go back to apostle paul my friend apostle paul apostle paul was misunderstood by the first 12 disciples handpicked by jesus as his vibe was different he had a different kind of stream he came after them. He had been a persecutor, so they thought of, you know, when he got saved, they found it hard to trust him. He and Barnabas and Paul, I believe, Peter, I mean, got together two weeks. It didn't work out. So Paul leaves the first 12 apostles mentored by Jesus, hand-picked, hand-curated, no, hand-picked by Jesus. Oh, the elite. We sat under. We're under Jesus. That's what they're doing now. You don't think they did it back then, I hope. So Paul was not wanted, welcome, so he went up to be with God for 14 years, 13, 14 years in Damascus, which is now Syria, and that's how he really got to know the Lord. And that's how I've gotten to know the Lord and the Bible like this. Because I cannot believe what goes on that tries to ruin Jesus' good name and to make people it harder and harder to just simply go and fellowship with the saints it's gotten so tough and i mean literally really tough in certain groups tough hard suspicious that's why we're pulled out to study and teach please for the future church so there is one so i analyzed and of course when you study god led me he teaches me through paul a lot you look at paul and how he mentions unity and relationships, servant leadership, all lowercase letter, P for prophet, P for pastor, little lowercase a for apostle, T for teacher, E for evangelist. So I think Paul himself is a servant leader. He's not an accuser. He's not a Pharisee. He's not elite. He was elite before he got knocked off his high horse and he became really saved. 
He had been a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He knew all the ropes. He knew all the rules, and he could quote them fast. But his heart was tough. And so God had to deal with him, and then he had to deal with him and purify him and sift him up in Arabia. And then finally, when he was ready, he had met the Lord in such a deep way that he said that he had the abundance of the revelations. And that's how we know Paul. He wrote two-thirds of the Bible. So all that pain and suffering, you know, ostracizing, being disrespected by the first twelve, mentored by Jesus, handpicked by Jesus. <laughs> I'm a follower of Brother Jesus. Oh, me too. <laughs> we were the first class of, of the organic twelve, the few. So that's part of how it is out here now. But that's all right. So when I've studied, when God has had me study Ephesians 4, it's like, where is this? Where is the book? Where is the perspective even training and mentioning that in any kind of ministry that I don't find it in the field? Nowhere. So all of a sudden I realized, wow, what's going on in the world that's not good today? Accusation, bullying, tail-bearing. Gossip, terrible things, saying bad words, hurting people, abuse, it's all trafficking, it is relationship respect is absent. Racism, any kind of bias, tongue talking or not. All right, putting down one kind of faith, bullying, hate speech, all this is accusation, a sin, but it's really tolerating in ministry. You don't know your scripture because my Bible teaches me in Revelation that the church was given power back over their own self-government, their lips, to overcome him, the accuser, by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and love not their life unto death. Who is training that? It's a relationship deal. The accuser accuses another person, male or female, little kid, teenager. Right, so the accuser is the spirit in the male gender. The accuser in Genesis three in the garden. The accuser in Revelation. The only time it's mentioned is in the male term. But do I dare say all men are accusers? No. Then why are you witch watchers saying all women are Jezebels and witches? Because you don't teach correctly. <laughs> Fault finding. No fear of the Lord. So I studied. Ephesians 4, and I realized that with everyone finger-pointing and accusing, you're not submitted, you're not fellowshipping with the saints, you are not this, you are not, you're wearing jewelry, you are not going to church, you're not a church member, you are this, that, and the other, you're eating, going to Starbucks too many times compared to what we believed, you're not under our control, all these things in the Christians right now in ministry. So I looked at Apostle Paul's teaching and he's teaching a community that's diverse and in unity but humility. Everyone walking it out with meekness and lowliness and long-suffering, endeavoring, that means trying hard with God's help, to keep the bonds of peace. Why? Later on it talks about the transformed Christian community is a witness silent witness and a witness to the world the secular community all right well within that beside your meekness and lowliness and i would think that would go to leaders elders prophets pastors and lay old and young everyone training on it so then we have the belief system of a christian and so this is not taught paul mentions there four criteria that you must believe if you're a real Christian. Their common doctrines are one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father of us all. Now, nobody ever talks about that. We only think of thou shalt not, Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not forsake fellowshipping with the saints. These are the different ones that are out there that cause accusation because people think it's their business to mind everybody else's business and then accuse them legalistically. I think it's really sad that this isn't taught. 
right? So there's a lot of accusation in Christian ministry, family, you name it. But we need to work on getting rid of it to be the beautiful bride of Christ. When we look at Ephesians 4, it says, One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God the Father of us all. One Lord, Jesus Christ, the only way. One faith, the Christian faith, the only way to, you know, one baptism, baptism water, because Jesus was baptized in water for the remission of our sin as a symbol. And then one God, the Father of us all. Look at, I mean, that's to me the easiest one. Because look at how many kinds of colors and styles and different personalities, energies there are. God is the global Father. How amazing. You must love diversity. All right. Those three, if we teach it, will, if we say right now, everybody, Paul says, Paul mentors us, choose to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Don't just swallow everybody's Kool-Aid because they look important. They're very impressive. Your mama said so. You work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, humility, but fear of the Lord, all right, and respect. Then it says Paul praised the noble Bereans because they picked apart his doctrine. There are a lot of scriptures in the Bible besides Paul that talk about this similar thing. Micah 7, 5. It says, don't put your trust, your confidence in your neighbor. Don't put your trust or your confidence in a guide. Don't even put your trust or confidence in the one who lies beside you in the bed. Just put your confidence in the Lord. See, and you can respect people you want to, but you don't have to believe everything you hear. Psalm 118 verses 8 and 9 says the same. Do not put your confidence in man, only put your confidence in God. Do not put your confidence in princes, that's leaders, only put your confidence in God. Because if they're not there, you got to hear God for yourself and figure out how to handle life. But also, you don't want to be caught if they're off. That's why you can't find anybody, any reason that God would put one Christian, one gifted and talented prophet or apostle or teacher or trainer or minister's group or any kind of elite champion of the faith over everybody. That is not in the Bible. That might be coming down from the patriarchal law we're in the New Testament. When you read Jesus, he wasn't doing that. Pharisees did it, but not Jesus. All right. The issue is we're not accusing, but when you have law, it accuses. Somebody somewhere thinks they know the law. They know all the rules. I know the rules, so I'm going to watch you to see if you're doing those rules. And that's Phariseeism, accusation, and mean ministry. It really is. I've been around it got my attention to teach against it all right so brother sister leader you assess them you don't accuse them you judge them by their fruit of james three seventeen. do they represent the wisdom that comes from above and then may i ask do you do you all right the wisdom comes from above you watch them to see how they're doing you assess them in every relationship if it's a pastor, a leader, a staff, a lay, you, me, we all watch out for that. James 3.17 says that any wisdom from above is represented by the following. It's pure, peaceable, easily entreated, full of mercy and good fruit, without partiality. What? Without partiality? It's not racist? It's not disrespectful? It doesn't have big eye, little use, pet persons? You're right, it doesn't. All right. Pure, peaceable, easily entreated, full of mercy and good fruit, without partiality and without hypocrisy, not two-faced or phony. So they're not playtime. They're not hail fellow well-met, putting up a front. So this is what a character and caliber of character is in a community. It really is. So if you think one Lord, one faith, one baptism with God, the Father of us all, then you look and say, well, am I listening to, watching, sitting under 
a leader who does not believe that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life, that nobody comes to the Father except by him, are they, the Christians that you role model from, are they believing the common doctrine? So if you look at who is true and false prophet, to me that's the the first, first one. Is are they believing all four? If they are, then they're saved at least. And then you look at their character, there are many other things. But the idea we have to have some ability to discern that some people are teaching with great gifting, but they're back under the law. You can tell they're back under the law if their people that follow them, that model them, are like them and they watch everybody and accuse them based on their laws from their prophetic ministry or their type or their view of the Bible. All right, this is our freedom in Christ. Paul says, he mentors a command, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Be the noble Berean that would make Paul proud, my opinion. Secondly, we want to make sure we are easily entreated if we disagree, that's James 3.17, easily entreated, respectful, if you have a difference opinion. That's part of role modeling Ephesians 4, keeping the bond of unity, not compromise. But you respect them and not, you know, tell everybody, accuse them all around, online, everybody else. Like childlike, like now. Alright, so we have Ephesians 4, and then we think, well, you know, what about... What about all those Bible verses with all those promises and all those commands? What about Paul, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, don't do that? Well, that doesn't mean they're not valid, that we should, we want to do them. God will hold us all responsible for fulfilling every command in the Bible. Yet, God is a God of grace. And mercy. He's not a God of flakiness, lasciviousness, playtime, greasy grace. He's not that. But he's given us grace if we are true on our part to be really trying to, you know, do it all, but not knowing you can't. Nobody can do it all because nobody will know it all. They all won't be on the same page, maturity-wise, get the same kind of teaching. And then many, everybody's got the as a unique makeup where they have weaknesses called besetting sins. So let's say Paul said, don't fornicate. Let's say that one. Don't sleep around. Don't have sex before marriage. Well, let's say that's a huge one. All right. So the Bible says don't because, you know, don't do it. However, some people are going to be weak and clueless. They're going to be immature and they're going to do it. So God looks at everyone individually and he doesn't compare with your father, the other friend down the block. He looks at you and see if it's fornication. That's just one sin. You can have sugar and overeating and adultery and and gossiping. Oh my gosh. If God just did with worked with the gossipers, that would start revival right there in America. The charismatic, I mean, many kinds of gossips. All right. In the Christians community. All right. To me, gossip is the worst sin. One of the worst sins I have to deal with is just jealousy, gossip. It's just, it's so unloving. It's so, I don't know, immature, mean. <laughs> Why? So it's a relationship, big deal. And a lot of people have low self-esteem and they accuse from that. They have poor me self, you know, I guess they were raised like that. So one sin is equal to the other. But God knows that some people will have a worse temper than others. Some people have a predisposition to overeat than others. Some will say, you know, I really don't want to go to church. And some will have good reason not to go to church because the friendly fire fellowships. <laughs> Paul gives you an escape clause if they resemble 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. Or 1 Timothy 6, 5. All right. But other than that, we're going to do our best to be mature and wholesome and do our thing. All right. Let's say God says, don't do, you know, the command says, the idea is, 
a person who is clueless, they'll think, oh yeah, I want to invite Jesus into my heart. Now I'm scared. I'm going to mess up. That's the old timey, not mature, deep thinking. What you want is, I love you, Lord. I know you. I want to know you more in a relationship. I want to hang out with you, God. I want to feel you, your presence. I want to get into the Holy Spirit, not the occult. But I want to just be with you, Lord. I just like a relationship. Sort of like Enoch, you know. Walked and talked with God. That's the way I view it. That's the way it's fun. It's fun. It's not religion. It's fun. That's my kind. That's the way I do it. So if you, you and God have a relationship, your friends, you want to please him. You don't want to hurt him. So you, that kind of person, will go toward the Bible and read what God wants and try to do it his way. You know, just because you love him. Not because you're scared he'll, you know, smite you with a lightning bolt. So there's a lot of maturity and, you know, your views in this. So let's say you're mature. And you have a relationship with God, and yet you still have a big fault of finding fault with people all the time. Or maybe you do have sexual, you know, you lose it. Or you're drinking too much. Or whatever you're going to do. Right? This is how I believe Paul means it. Paul says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling with God and the Bible. Getting friends to advice that are mature, hopefully. Right, you know, because God's going to speak to you. Don't do that. Don't do that. And you're going to say, "All right, Lord, I I, I want to love you and please you, so I'm going to try hard not to do it." So for a while, let's say you pass the test. You don't even fall into sin. You have no trouble. You don't overeat chocolate and sweets and pig out. That's my thing. God forbid. I'm trying to get better. All right, so you say, Lord, I'm going to be really good. I'm going to fast. I'm going to not eat wheat, whatever your thing is, or whatever your thing is that's more than that. And so you're doing bad really well, and all of a sudden, stress, unimaginable weirdness and stress happens, and then you get tempted to go back, and you fall into whatever kind of sin. So that is a besetting sin because we're human. And Paul knew it. God knows it. Yet God will deal with you in whatever his level of your, you know, how you and he have worked on it. So you'll have, it isn't the strict finger pointing thing. It's like God will perk your conscience. Then there's some that are tough. Some people are tough and they are full of themselves and they can be reprobate. That means they can not repent god will get them and they'll just you know to convict them don't do that it's harmful and they'll do it anyway and they're they get this tough side and then after a while god may polish them off because there are scriptures you know it depends upon you and god and what he knows about you and if you're pure, pure hearted in it so we're saying in the uh, all the commands are nobody's business they're nobody's business except yours and the Lord. Now, I'm not saying you're sitting there an isolated person because you do need people. You need fellowship. If you are tempted in certain ways, you want to be with somebody to say, you know, I'm feeling weak or pray for me or whatever. Fellowshipping. That's what it's for. But we're trying to really get away. We're so sad about the accusation. I see what happened was I was not raised my testimony. I was not raised around accusing Christians. I was raised around a strict mother and a strict grandmother. My mother's not my mother's mother. She was fine. So I learned how not to be. I wanted to be a maven. That means a connoisseur of theology, but not a matriarch. To me, matriarchs are dominating and forceful and not very perceptive of anybody but their own kind and i try to be very open to different kinds of people so i was not raised though harshly or abused i was raised respected and my dad and everybody we had a happy family so i was not raised about this micromanaging that it's your business that if you go to church or not 
that's not a Baptist thing unless certain Baptists do it. You know, here and there they might. But but when I got into studying the tongue talkers, that's where I found it. That's where it came and got me. I didn't realize that I would be assassinated or whatever, accused for from afar based on look of being a church hopper. Now, ironically, it's so weird how this is. You know, I was in a smaller area when Dallas, and it was where everybody could watch your business, basically. It was a smaller area, and so I, nobody ever talked to me, and I didn't think it was, you know, all I did was I had a call to study different kinds of movements and churches, and then different revivals would come in, I'd go. I was married and the husband said that's fine with him so I thought it's my business nobody else's turned out that shepherding movement the whelp spied me it had moved into town had come into town with some of the movements and I didn't know it but I was committing sin in their eyes I was getting accused of sinning and my sinning that was just the first one my accused of sinning was that I was a known church hopper now, see, this is it. When you know you're being talked about and you're a prophet, you just watch. You think, now, that is weird. Wow, whose business? That's old country law. Well, good old boy, frankly, good old boys. I was with a lot of people. I had board members. Nobody thought like that. Black people as well as white. Nobody thought like that. This is certain kinds that come down the pike that are out in the field everywhere. And these people were everywhere. And <laughs> good old boys. So I started to watch the doctrine. And I realized I'd kept, God had me meet 30-some people. All white women except one gentleman, father of seven, who had been the same accused unjustly I was the kind that was being led by the spirit that's my ministry out in the field like a grassroots army nurse or a front lines missionary and that's me I love it first respond I really am grateful for that I was raised like that so I was meeting the strays back in the 80s and 90s that were not going to church and I would talk to them they were my mission and I thought I can see why you're not going <laughs> Because I was starting to feel the heat from those kind of critical spirits, that religious judging. So I just take people the way they are. I think, you know, God, face value. Listen, you got reasons, you tell me. I'm not going to put you down. Because I understood critical hornets were coming into town, into these movements. So my ministry has been like, just be grateful people want the Lord. Let me say that. People need to be thank ministers. We want to be thankful that anybody's worshiping the Lord anywhere, in a house, in a hut, in a barista fellowship, or in a church. This is too crucial to play all these games, play silly religious hoops. All right. So I was getting to know doctrines. I was getting to know doctrines of devils. Why would I say that? Because they don't act like Jesus. They act opposite of Jesus like the Antichrist Jesus doesn't spy name call I have literally been jumped in public more than once over 30 years by the same kind of group I wo I walked in I've had the same the reason I talk about witch watching because I've been accused I've had somebody even oh it's a long story of too many it's sort of funny but it's weird because they were so clueless in their relationship, love these people in the community that were watching and calling everyone in rebellion and witches. And I had a board. I was accountable, but they didn't know that. They didn't want to know. And so instead, you're the lone warrior. You know, all this stuff goes on. Emotional intrigue in the grassroots deep south. So I was just like, Plus, I had my own heartache going on at the time. It was No one asked me about it. No one came to me. No one confronted me about anything. So as I say that, I don't feel sad about it. I feel like this is what goes on. That's all you got to know. This is what they do. This is a really bad representation, a poor 
representation of local church fellowshipping. And it was only among the tongue talkers until I noticed that yeast of the Pharisees spread. And when they had pastors groups, there were certain kind of pastors groups. I was in a lot of them. But certain ones were starting to click. The Baptists went here or there would be friends with the charismatics who did this or the prophetic Pentecostals that were doing this false teaching, and they would start to watch everybody. So rumors pass. Rumors pass, and I passed on from that kind of ministry. I just, that is not, it is not upscale. It is not the Lord. But I can teach on it because my heart is for the common grassroots person who needs to know the Lord and needs to go to church and feel safe. That's really while I teach on it, while I teach on it. So we have teaching of authority, and some of it is pure-hearted. But if, once you can know, you can know it's out of order when they're minding people's business, when they have the scowl of false teaching, that's a good sign. I'm watching, I saw, in 1998, I'll never forget it, I was in a pastor's meeting. I was always gathering with pastors back then. To pray for revival and against racism before the shepherding movement took over. All right. It was nice. Nicer. And so then these doctrines come in from the deep south and they start to breed Phariseeism. And I was sitting in it after a pastor's gathering of prayer and I heard one pastor, the kind that do this that doctrine, false teaching. I heard one pastor say to the other, he said, I saw your sheep in my church. And the other one looked and he scowled the scowl of false teaching. And he scowled and he said, yes, they're church hoppers. And I went, whoa, I'd never heard that before. Afterwards, I heard it plenty. Wow. The thought that when my mind was, these people think they own God's people. These people think they're their sheep. I saw my sheep in your church. <gasps> they're church hoppers. I never knew that was a sin. It's not a Baptist thing or a black thing. It's a white good old boys. <laughs> but they're every. it's huge in mega good old boys and in micro good old boys. It, and then in the people that are under them, it breeds and breeds. That's what's going on. It's not good. So it makes me just research false teaching and teach about it. Nobody is in control. Now, let me get to the fine points. The basic view is not their business. However, this is when it is their business. I have to point this out. Under common doctrine, everybody who's a believer and a Christian has their choice, what they do with their life, their time, their day, their fellowshipping, and all the rules, because you're going to be, you know, when you die, you're going to be alone before the throne of God, and he's going to hold you accountable and address it. But if you've worked on it, you know, and you have everything, the best of your ability, you're trying hard, and you're mature, then, you know, you'll be okay. Now, when you get from the freedom, do I go to church or not? Go by Paul's doctrines. Nothing is legalistic, but yet it is a wise advice. Don't forsake fellowshipping with the saints. So we're, we're for it. We're just not for getting accused and legalism and a friendly fire fellowship. That's the, really, that's the reason I'm saying it, because there are a lot of friendly fire fellowships. I would never have thought that, but there are. All right, so... With that in mind, once, let's say, now you feel as the real individual you're called to be, that God wants you to go to a certain kind of ministry, a certain ministry. And he's put it on your heart to go, so you go. Once you go, here's how authority would work. If I were a visitor, I would just survey the boundaries, check it out. If I'm checking it, I'd see if, you know, make sure they're respectful and all sorts. I would go there, I would evaluate, and I would be on their turf. So even though I have my own ministry, I would park my mantle of authority and be in there, you know, observe and respect their authority. That's how I've always done it. 
be quiet, be friendly, be open, but don't do anything because that's their turf. That's authority. That is being submitted at all times, which I am. Now, if I were to say, I'm going to join them officially, or if I'm going to go to a pastor's group that has membership and I join, now that is where the fine-tuning is. That means that I am on their turf and I am under them. I'm not, but I'm using it as an illustration how many are. I'm a Galatians 1, 1, and 2, like Paul, not sent out by any one person, not sent out by any one group. I and the brothers and sisters who are with me co-laboring, not over or under. Yet, as a part of God's body, his magnificent body, I am on the team of the body, all the Christians. And if I go to your church, visit, or come for a regular basis, I'm on your turf, I'm in your authority, but yet I'm still got my own authority that I operate when I'm off the premises. Unless you ask me to do something while I'm there in my authority, but still I'd be doing it because you invited me to as being me being under your authority. So due to the people thinking all these crazy thoughts, legalistic thoughts, who's she under? It's a he, you know, I happen to see today, I was watching online this thing came down Facebook or someplace. It talked about cults, people who were in cults. And these people were really in cults. They were like the Moonies and they were like different ones. And one of them was a cult that sounds like it was Bill Gothard. I didn't know Bill Gothard had a cult, but because he started off in the 70s, okay. And then he, you know, I think he really went off because his cult was, the cult was that the people were not all men. See, this is how these things happen. It sounds like shepherding gone wild, right? All the men were over all the women and the women couldn't do a thing unless the men said so and they got permission or even, you know, it had to be the men only who didn't have books, you didn't watch TV, a lot of things. So when I heard that, it was a Christian cult. I thought, this is out there. And when I teach, people aren't used to a woman teaching like this. People aren't used to me being myself. I was raised just like this. I never changed. I've just been having people assassinate me, certain charismatics, crazy manics. Because they've never met anybody who is not like them. A cult member. A club follower. I'm not. Now, if I'm with a Baptist or black person, they don't think like they don't they don't think about this kind of thing, and I don't either. I don't want to think about it. <laughs> Plus they're not patrician usually. You can find a black person who's patrician. And a white person, and a mega, and a micro. But the issue is, basically, if I go to any kind of church except one kind, the good old boy whelp, if I go to only one kind that has this misogyny, whatever, flares up, that I make it manifest, I trigger it like Jesus did the Pharisees, the religious spirit, then I can go to all the other kinds of churches, even tongue-talking, that are not don't have that spirit, the demon spirit of whelp in it, and they're fine. Oh, how are you, sister? Just fine. Oh, how are you? Yeah, yeah. You're glad. See, this is it. Isn't it better to just be grateful people want to come to church and love Jesus that much instead of micromanaging them, diminishing them, finding fault with them for showing up? That's the point. I can tell now, because Dallas, I'll be honest, I like Dallas, I like Texas, I don't like the religion, I never do, and the systems, but I learned an education in systems and performance from being there. I learned, I can read a system, I can tell a legalistic system by just going in there. It's in my discernment. I can read their algorithms within systems. I can tell cults. I didn't have this until Dallas.
So when I had been through and paid my dues to find this out, fault finding just for showing up, witch watching, it's just very dis disturbing. I thought, well, you know, there for the grace of God go I. I can teach on it like a noble Berean should. But it's made me hyper, hypersensitive and perceptive about these doctrines, these witch-watching doctrines especially. Because I attract it by showing up. My energy or my diversity that I don't, I don't look their kind. I look a stereotype, and that is the whelp stereotype. And I'm not taking it personally. I take it prophetically. This is what you're doing to so many people. It's really damaging, Jesus, your credibility, frankly. But I teach on it because it's that tough. It is a tough, tough ministry spirit, really tough and proud. But I'm trying to provoke it to deliver it. I'm trying to confront it because it's whelp is a Jezebel spirit doctrine of Jezebel spirit controlling and it's very forceful but I'm not afraid because I confront it church of Thyatira style it is false use of authority men and women it is false authority using false authority by oppression suppression resistance refusing to one-to-one -one relate and yet gossiping about them blaming them and you know ruining their reputation. This has happened in many states. In this one, only this kind. Everybody else is fine. So we're just pointing this out for the sake of the end time. Alright. If, when I go, when I need to go to church, I want to go. I love the Lord. I love to be in the church. Alright. When I go, I'm going to watch for doctrines. Because these doctrines are like hornets. The false teaching. So I'll look and say, are they respectful? Am I getting glared at by the shepherding movement? And if not, I'll go back. That's not, I don't have a big deal. I just want to go there and relax and enjoy my time with the Lord. Hebrews 10, 25, that's all I've ever done. Because this is not the normal time of history, I'm being this candid, brunt, brutal and blunt to make this thing a focus to think about and defrag it for the sake of the future church. That's what I'm doing. I'm a very sociable creature. I have plenty of people. I'm just not tolerating this strict controlling I mean really diminishing and punishing evil spirit because it comes out not just in the top people. It could be the staff. It could be the elders, the people that are their devout followers in the lay. So it's many things. But we love all colors. But this group has been with the patrician shepherding, accusing patrician shepherding whelp. Levitical patriarchism, my term, it is white, and it is solid good old boy. Whether they're fancy, sophisticated country club good old boys, or they're back out of the woods in the country good old boys, it's the same spirit coming down from the old Jezebel lore, the old hills, and it could be that, well, it's shepherding, but um, when I heard that cult from Bill Gothard, that showed me how widespread different kinds of false teaching are in America, whether it's clubby, clannish, or cultish, or accusing. There's a lot of it deeply embedded in the everyday relationships of the United States, and I'm called to supremely address and bring forth a deliverance from the whelp good old boy subculture. That's what I'm doing. I never, let me say this. I never thought of anything like this. I was never a women's liver. I didn't need to be liberated. I was brought up respected. I didn't need to, I didn't, I really, when women's lib came out, I was in college. And I thought, why? 
why do women need to be liberated? Now, I was really wrong back then. I'd just been given God's grace to have a good, happy family. Respect it. When I went the last 15 years before now into the good old boy, well, bastion of the world, disrespect and misogyny and chauvinism in ministry, you could feel it. It's a spirit. You could feel you're being like a piece of property, only chattel, only a woman, a little woman. And I would meet it over and over, and it made me think, this is like black people must feel like when they are judged and accused for showing up because they're black or brown or somebody might be unusual in their appearance. So it made me very sensitive for the sake of many. That's where E-O-R-R comes from, equal opportunity, real respect, because I realized that Christians are so religious into their own performance, getting their work done, they don't really care. They don't really like people. They just want their money in. They just want their system. They want their time and their shine. So it got my attention as a giant red flag. This is my purpose to teach on it. So we are four. You know, let me say this. My dad was not a whelp. My dad was not a good old boy. My dad was raised in the country. He was not poor or poor me. So that helps me when I can diagnose, you know, I can discern well because of the characters that are not like my dad. <laughs> They're not equal opportunity, real respectful. But that doesn't mean you have no hope. Even the most gossipy, chauvinist, bigoted, misogynist, Eli Templeay priesthood user and abuser and accuser of females or whatever, stealing money out of the offering plate. <laughs> you have hope. You have Jesus. You can go to him and just make your heart right. Ask him to forgive you and help you study your doctrine and make better choices for the sake of the gospel. Repent. You're not back under the law. You are here for now with Jesus, and Jesus loves relationships. He is not a sin spire. He loves people, the common everyday folk. He was sent to them. It was only the suspicious Pharisees who were invested in their money. They were the descendants of Esau, of Edomites. They were the hireling priesthood of Jesus' day. That's why they were so provoked and triggered by Jesus because he wasn't. He wasn't a misogynist like them. So therefore they were triggered by him. He was the anti. He was the Christ. They were the anti-Christ, right? Well, if I go in to some of these places and I'm representing Jesus sitting there like anybody else could do, I'm representing Christ, no ulterior motive, sitting there in James 3.17, being fully respectful of all the boundaries, males and females, being deferring and quiet, and that shows up to come after me and accuse me, send their witch watchers. <laughs> all I know is that, man, that spirit is big, and it's a lot of different places. And I would just say this. I'm watching you. I'm watching your fruit. Your doctrines, your relationship issues, you've got issues and you need healing and re deliverance and revival. So back in the days, remember a history of revivals. Back years ago, they had the very famous Welsh revival where they really did have a big miraculous in the Hebrides or however you pronounce Hebrides. They had a big sweeping revival. Well, I'm here today. We're here today, the Lord and I and many others who many men who are not whelp, who are not kin and who are not whelp. All right, many, we are here today for the whelp revival. It's time now, whelp and whelp, the version of matriarchs that are the women that serve them. This is now time for the sweeping whelp revival where you are delivered and not under the curse of the law. <laughs> you're not under the curse of your daddy's devil's misogyny either. And you're not under the curse of hatred or slave driver or ownership of people. 
You are here for the sake of the gospel, and that history is closed off and under the blood. So confess your faults to to one another. You can be healed. Confess it to the Lord. He'll heal you, and then put it under the blood and move on, and don't be like that. Be the amazing, gifted, talented person and minister you're called to be. Just don't be an elite patrician slave drivers. Don't be the old, you know, what we just talked about, the old-time country, all-knowing whelp. And here's it. The culture, the subculture of good old boys, good old boy culture, secular and, and um, Christian, has a witchcraft quality. Why? It's not straightforward. It will not deal a fair deck. It will talk about you. It'll run into the ground. It will never confirm and talk directly to see if it's really true. So they're posturing, they're elite, they're cagey, they're cunning. And that to me is part of witchcraft, charismatic witchcraft. I'm very straightforward, ironically. I'm the one that they call, they prefer to call me evil witch or something. Like they do many people. But I study him back and I think, man, I'm sitting here all this time, all these years, and you have never asked me and found out if I did that deed or did not do that deed. You never talked to me because you don't love me. They have no love. They just want to be under the law and big shots to criticize people because they feel, I guess, they feel so pitiful and small in their esteem. I do not have that trouble. I have not had a poor esteem trouble. I'm sorry. So we're trying to really make this a big deal because so they can be delivered and free forevermore and be full of joy. That's really it. When I close, I'm going to mention this. When you're teaching of the office of the prophet in that movement, many prophetic movements are the good old boy wealth. They seem to own and prosper <laughs> in God's wells of the Holy Spirit. So this is why I have to teach on it, because I'm called to the wells of the Holy Spirit more than I am to teach on that. But they're blocking it. They're sort of the crowd that is the turf protecting and clubby. And so there's this spiritual battle, the anti-me. Do I take it personally? Am I offended? No, not at all. I'm just telling you this is a spiritual principle. You might be helped by it as well. So when I'm looking to do my own thing, I had to get mature enough not to be bothered by the continuous prayer against me and the accusation and the stonewalling. I just had to grow up. So now I have and I moved on. But that doesn't mean I can tolerate false teaching if they're doing it to others in a new generation and for the sake of the future church. They're owning the wells, keeping it under control. That's why I'm confronting it also. So we're for the body of Christ. But I will say, when I teach on the spirit of prophecy, I'm removing whelp from that. I'm removing elite. I'm removing celebrity. And I'm also going to put in the true New Testament prophet, which is Jesus Christ, Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. My Bible says in the old days, Paul writes... That God spoke through different diverse manners through the prophets to his leaders. Because not everybody had, a, they couldn't have Jesus in their heart to speak to them. So they went and God used a few men who were prophets. That's the Old Testament church. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2 says that but in these days, the New Testament, God speaks to us through his son, which is Jesus. So we have to know about the character, the purpose, the heart, the flavor the respect of Jesus, even with his mother, and his relationships while he was alive. I would say, everyone read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John when Jesus was alive and only act like he acted, react like he reacted, will be fine. All right, next. In Hebrews 1 and 9, the prophet Jesus, our role model for today, is mentioned in Hebrews 1, 9 by Paul as having the oil of, ja oil of gladness above his fellows. Jesus 
was known. He was imbued with the oil of joy and gladness above his fellows. And it says why. It's conditional. Because he hated iniquity. It says that Jesus, the Messiah, hated iniquity, hated the sin condition of what it did to people. It ruined them, all right? He hated iniquity, and he loved what was righteous. Therefore, God anointed Jesus with the oil of joy and gladness above his fellows. He was righteous, pure-hearted, pure motive, no secret agenda, no evil thought about anybody. He wouldn't believe the gossip or start gossip, but he wasn't holier-than-thou self-righteous either. That would be sin. So he was the humble, suffering servant, Christ, servant leader, which is my mentor, and maybe many of yours as well. So we're for the body of Christ. We're for moving on. I have moved on. It's just that if I, you know, i got to finish my college course, and I'm doing it little by little so that people can understand we don't want any other young woman or older woman or child to face misogyny when they show up to church. Distancing, control, presumption that they are the stupider vessel, that they're the weak-willed vessel who's eager to be used by the man. We don't want women, little women, viewed as the fault-finder, troublemaker, Jezebel, and all these horrible, horrible stereotypes, tongue talker stereotypes. I had never met any kind of bias except for proud. You know, people are proud in ministry. But I'd never met chauvinism and nothing like this until I got into elite good old boy, to be honest. Elite good old boys is where I've... I had to grow up stronger to be able to deal with it and not let it rule me because they want to rule me see this is it i'm not a controller but i make them they think i am i guess there's something in me that makes them rise up to try to take over and that's why i have to be this strong am i mad at them no do i forgive them yeah but if it's like jesus tossing over the temple many changers for for the for the sake of his father's house his zeal and that's all this is for the sake of the end-time harvest, the move of God, and Jesus Christ himself. The last word, who are you going to serve? Are going to serve Jesus? Or are you going to serve yourself? You're going to serve your witch-watching cult? Your way to get money with your system? Are you going to enjoy being with the Lord, having a first-love relationship, hanging out with Jesus, and maybe have a little joy like Jesus did? real respect for the humble people as well, not just the top people. So we're leaving it out here as a Sela submitted a tennis ball Sela. I've hit the ball lovingly, warmly, with great compassion and kindness from the Lord through this ministry into your court. And it is up to you to decide what to do with it, how to handle it, and if to even regard it. Those who have ears will truly hear. This is Tavo Diarcy signing off now from Tavo Diarcy Creative Leadership Ministries. Feel free to keep in touch at tclleadership at gmail.com. God bless you. Bye-bye.